This series came into my life at a time where I was doing a lot of my own internal work. I remember Anson, when I started, you told me that if you could sum up the series in one phrase, it would be love conquers all. Mm. And I think I agree with that over and over and over again. When Dumbledore is training Harry, he tries to impress on him the importance of this. This is what protects him. Everyone's like, oh, you're this super wizard. What's the deal? And it's all because of this sacrifice that his mother made. It's more powerful than anything. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to Real Talk with Anson, Kara, and Isaac. So happy to have you back for another episode. And this episode, guys, is one that at least Kara and I have been waiting to do for several years. We have. Before we even had a podcast, yes. we wanted to do this podcast. Yes. And we had to wait for Isaac to do a little bit of catching up, catching up on these Harry Potter books. Now, you had seen the movies right. for the Harry Potter series before you read the books. Correct. So you did it kind of in the reverse order of Kara and I. Mm-hmm. And you just recently finished book seven, right? I just finally finished it, and I have all of the thoughts <laughs> in the entire world. Very good. And even though I finished it, I don't know how many years ago, I still have all the thoughts in the entire world. Oh, so man. we're going to share all of the thoughts in the entire world on the Harry Potter series with you on the podcast today. That's what we're going to be talking about. Taking a little bit of a break from some of the more serious stuff. Although I don't know, Harry Potter can yeah. get kind of serious for us. So we'll see how that goes. It may be more of a serious conversation conversation than we think. Yes. But first, we're going to start off with our shameless plug for today. Yes. And this is actually we need you to help us with this. So we're talking about Harry Potter today and on our social media channels. That's Real FM on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I have asked the question, who is the most underrated Harry Potter character? Mm-hmm. Already gotten some response. People are saying Lupin, Luna Lovegood. I'm going to be arguing with them probably on this podcast today. <laughs> Let us know, though, who's the most underrated Harry Potter character. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Online, all one word. And if you uh, hear anything that we say on this podcast that you just you completely disagree with, you're like, I can't (laughs) believe they would advocate for that character or that book or they criticize something that's my favorite (laughs) and I'm super offended, you can go to those sites and chime in and we'll fight you on it. Um, we'll try to be nice, but but we'll still fight. You. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's go to what we're into this week. And this week we're having like a special entertainment uh, driven version of what we're mm, into. Yes. So I'm picking a show on Netflix that I think Isaac actually mentioned a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to take credit because I actually recommended it to him. 100 <laughs> percent. Jane the Virgin. <laughs> Jane the Virgin is a show that I have seen many times in passing. And I was like, that looks dumb. And then somebody recommended it on a podcast, actually. And they started explaining what it was. And I was like, oh, I'm going to check that out. So it's like a telenovela, the way it's set up. And there's lots of characters in it that are actually involved in a literal telenovela. So it has this like beautiful mixture of hilarity and seriousness and seriousness may be a strong word, but Mm. like there's these beautiful like, oh, moments in it. And then there's (laughs) these like really hilarious, ridiculous moments. And all of it is super far fetched. And you're like, this would never happen in real life. Even though the characters do seem real, you're like, yeah, that's this isn't a real thing. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of an escape show. But then there are also these really sweet moments and you're like, oh, 
that's so great. And I just learned something about human love and people. And look at this. I just feel so much better about life. But then there are also episodes where you leave going, what have you done to me? You've betrayed me, writers, which happened to me last week. And then I had to stop for a while. But I'm still going and I still really like the show. I'm just really enjoying it. So you're into it, even though you've stopped it briefly. I, it's still I, what you're I into. I stopped it. I didn't stop. I like t- stopped it for a few days, but uh-huh. I was like, I have to find out what happens. Even how, I hate you right now. How many seasons of the show are there? How I think lo- there's only like three or four. Okay. Maybe it's not super long running yet. Do you know so. where, it, where it aired originally or where? I'm not sure. I haven't even heard of it. So. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. I actually have no idea hmm. where it originally aired, but I've only seen it on Netflix. But yeah, yeah Kara's absolutely right. Me and Brie watched this and it's hilarious. <laughs> okay. It's really fun. I'm going to have to put this on my list then. It's yeah. called an American telenovela. I love it. I saw Black Panther over the weekend. <sighs> you did. You guys. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, so jealous. See, I walk into movies like this after they've been hyped just by every outlet mm. possible. Which this one has. Right, mm. right. Everywhere I've looked, I've seen like 10 out of 10 ratings for Black mm-hmm. Panther. They've loved everything from like the soundtrack to the actors. Best Marvel movie ever is that's, what I keep hearing. Yeah, That's just what I heard. high praise. So I walk into it thinking, okay, there's no way this is going to live up to all <laughs> right. of this. Right. All of these have been bought and paid for. This is going to be at best a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I think that this is the most... It didn't feel disjointed the way superhero movies start to feel after a while. Mm-hmm. I think that too many of them chase rabbit trails. There's so many different plots that they have to bring in because so well, the many, whole like Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe like, thing, yeah, they have yeah. all of this stuff that they've got to tie in together right. and make it work that kind of detracts from the main yeah. central premise of that particular movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like in Marvel movies and in really all superhero movies, there's these scenes that clearly just exist to set up another superhero. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. did you notice that hot dog stand guy? <laughs> <laughs> like he is going to be and He's this a superhero. I really feel like if that's this awesome. movie had it, it felt so natural that I didn't notice. And mm. that's how it should be. Also, the actors, actresses, the soundtrack, Kendrick Lamar did the soundtrack for it. And you can tell because it has both African tribal music, but then mm. has contemporary hip hop in it for scenes that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's it's cool. It's so cool. It feels like it'd be a dramatic shift, but it's just so subtle and it feels cool it feels Yay, cool like the movie cool. just feels cool, so cool from start to finish so it's, it lived up to the hype is what you're saying oh my gosh awesome. if i could give it like a 30 out of 10 wow <laughs> okay that's would, pretty big for you isaac you guys should Ooh. see it it's really good i definitely want to i, do too. I, I haven't heard anyone say a bad thing about it yeah. yet yeah. which is pretty is rare a good sign. so yeah. my awesome. thing that i am into this week is a show that i know that you guys are both familiar with and i'm a little late to the party on and that is the good place Yay! oh yeah my wife actually started by watching this by herself because I am kind of weird when it comes to TV shows. I like to (laughs) consume them in small doses. And so I tend to watch only maybe one show at a time. And then I kind of take a break for a while. And so my wife actually started the show and watched the first season of it and then came back to me and was like, Anson, I really, really think you're going to like this show. (laughs) And I had seen the previews for it on NBC. I've seen, you know, some things about it. I knew what the premise was. And I was like, yeah, okay. It seems like an interesting kind of premise, but I'm not sure this really is the kind of show that I would be super into. And she just kept on me about it. She was like, no, you are going to like this show. You need to watch the show. So finally I started watching it and 
I don't want to give anything away because if you haven't seen this mm-hmm. show yet, I know a lot of people probably already have, but if you haven't, mm-hmm. it's one of those shows where the less you know about it going into it, right. the better it's going to be. And most shows are that way, but this one especially. Yeah. The basic premise of the show, if, if you don't know, is you have a, a bunch of characters that have ended up in the good place, which is basically a euphemism for what we would understand to be heaven. And yet it's maybe not quite everything that they thought it was going to be. There's some <laughs> some trouble in paradise, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the first few episodes, I was like, okay, this is an interesting premise. It's kind of funny. There's some interesting characters. It's mildly sure. amusing. As I got into the kind of the middle of the season, I got into like, okay, starting to get attached to some of these characters. They're pretty funny. The writing is pretty clever. Yes. It's the same show creator as Parks and Rec, which definitely Just, gives it some points in my book. Uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, this is solidly amusing now. Sure. And that was kind of my attitude towards it through most of it was, this is a solidly amusing show. And then I got to the end of the season and in one episode, guys, the show went from solidly amusing to mind blowing. Yes. And the most mind blowing thing about the whole thing, again, without trying to give too much away, is that all of the criticisms that I had been racking up about the show in my head, which I've been, you know, sharing with my wife, like, yeah, this part I don't really love or this part doesn't really make a lot of sense or this just doesn't. I don't know why they would do it this way. It seems to kind of betray the whole premise of the show. Mm. All of a sudden in one episode, all of my complaints made sense. Yeah. Like they were all, they all meant something. Sure. And I was like, wait, that was all on purpose. And it, that's, it blew my mind because I had no idea that's where the show was going with it. So if you like a good comedy show, this fits the bill for that. And yet yes. it also adds a plot twist and, and some actually kind of profound, deep thoughts occasionally, yeah. too, about the afterlife and morality and things like that that start to make it pretty interesting by the end of the season. So would highly recommend The Good Place. Now on to the swagger scale where we own our awkwardness and there is plenty of it for us to own, or at least me speaking for myself. This week I am bringing to you guys for the swagger scale. This actually isn't a really funny thing. I'm trying to laugh at it, but I'm bringing to you (laughs) crying. Yes. Crying in front of someone you want to impress. Oh, super not swaggery. Can I just say that? (laughs) And maybe this is just a girl. I don't know. Like I, I know guys don't cry as much as girls, but was having a really good, serious conversation with someone this week. It was going really well, and I'm really glad I had it. But anytime I have serious conversations, this seems to happen, and I lost it, and it was not super fun. And I was like, dang it, I want to impress this person, and all I can do right now is cry, and he's handing me Kleenexes, and no. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So it was lots of fun, but it happens, you know? And I'm like, well this is me. So I guess I got to own my awkwardness here. And it happens. Well, maybe it doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens to a good number of us. I was talking to my wife uh, about this one time because this happens to her a lot. She cries when she doesn't want to. Right. And she kind of gets angry at herself. And so it (laughs) kind of turns into this weird, like she's crying, but she's mad, but mostly at herself for crying. Yes. And I always felt like whenever she would cry when we were having a serious conversation about something. I'm like, okay, I've, I've hurt you. I've done yes. something wrong. And she had to explain to me, she was like, no, it's not always, sometimes it's that. Sure. But she was like, it's not always necessarily that. She was like, sometimes I just get emotional when we're talking about something serious and I don't necessarily want to. It's just, it's just something that happens. Right. And she was like, so, so you kind of just got to deal with it and I got to <laughs> deal with it. I'm crying. It's fine. We can keep talking. We don't have to shut down or stop or whatever. Let's just keep going. And, and once she crying. kind of explained that to me, I was like, okay, 
okay, yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. that's fine. As opposed to at first, it was like this paralyzing fear gripped me of, right. oh no, I broke her. Or I ruined her. Or, like something's <laughs> right. wrong. And she was like, honestly, it's fine. Yeah. Sometimes we get emotional when we talk about emotional stuff, you know? Yeah. And I would like to say, you did say that girls cry a lot more than guys. And maybe that's true statistically. <laughs> like, I, I, don't I don't know, know if that's true or not. <laughs> but I have to admit to something uh, just to stand in solidarity with you. I actually cry a lot. Okay. Okay. Good. I was watching Thank the closing you. ceremonies the other day and Aww. I cried. Okay. I was in church last Sunday and we started singing a worship song and I started crying. Okay. I good. cry about everything. <laughs> nice. And Yay. so it's not just a girl thing. Okay. Yeah. Guys cry too. Well, and I think that hashtag. if you're. It makes me feel better. <laughs> hashtag guys. I'm starting this hashtag. That's so amazing. I think though that if you're really seriously trying to get in a better relationship with whoever you're talking with, right. the fact that you felt whether voluntarily or not, like yeah, that you yeah. could cry around them talking about something seriously. I think that's a good thing. And that's I think fair. that, you know, if your mission is to impress that person, I think the ultimate impressive thing someone can do is just be vulnerable. That is a really hard thing to do. You had a serious enough conversation with that person to where you had a real emotional reaction. Yes. That's cool. I'm not going to wow. say that. Yeah, I, I agree. Thanks. Like, I don't think necessarily that crying in front of someone would not impress someone. It yeah. very well yeah. could be the opposite. That's a signal that you're talking about something pretty serious yeah. that cool. warrants a reaction. And you had that reaction. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned on the swagger scale, like, I think it's actually pretty swaggery to own, <laughs> to own emotions. I, uh, I feel like we give emotions a bad rap yeah. and that we, we shouldn't be emotional, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, women are criticized for that all of the time, just in general. Like women are too emotional, right? Back yeah. in the day, we used to call it hysteria and and mm. diagnose them with hysteria, right? Yeah. Yeah. And try to fix women for being so hysterical all the time. Yeah. And for men, I think we kind of have the same problem, but kind of sure. on the flip side, we try mm. to kind of emotionally stunt men yeah. into saying like crying isn't mm. something that you're allowed to feel. Yeah. And uh, I think in, in many ways, we hurt young men's development by trying to stunt their emotions. I think a lot of the embarrassment that comes from being emotional has less to do with something innate or intrinsic mm. and it's more of a cultural pressure kind of a situation. Yeah, totally. I'm crying right now. Well, <laughs> thanks guys. I feel like I should have brought this up a lot sooner. I feel so much better about my tendency to cry. I'm going to give it, if we're saying 10 is the absolute swaggiest swagger scale, mm -hmm. I'm going to give it like an eight. There yeah. you go. Not giving it a full 10 only <laughs> because you. it wasn't to like a powerful moving song. <laughs> If it, were like yeah. at a, if it were like at a Yeezy concert and you're crying because of how wonderful it is. I was going to say, fair. if we could add like the My Heart Will Go On <laughs> oh, like yeah. song in, in the, the background, background, like as Perfect. you're explaining, like yeah. then, yeah, that it's would. All better. So sweat. <laughs> yeah. Now it's time for Crushing It, celebrating successes big or small. This week, Kara, I can empathize with you. Yeah. I caught myself crying <gasps> at the gym, and it wasn't because yes. how just absolutely chiseled <laughs> I am. I'm so, <laughs> so I'm just envisioning you standing in front of the mirror, just weeping, just weeping over your biceps. <laughs> like, so beautiful. No, it's no. So beautiful. I started a podcast called What It Takes, and uh, it was an interview with Chuck Jones. And if you don't know who Chuck Jones is, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, uh, Elmer Fudd, all of the kind of classic cartoons yeah. that I watched as a kid. You know, my parents showed me all of those. It was this big sort of life profile on him. And he was talking about his projects, getting started with animation and all of that in the early days of cartoons and animating things. And it was really cool. And I was on like the stationary bike, just sort of pedaling along, kind of half listening. And then he got to a portion about writer's block. 
or just creativity blocks Mm -hmm. in general. And I'm the type of person where halfway through a project, I'm like, this is trash. This is garbage. (laughs) I want to throw my laptop into the sun and change my name and move to Venezuela. Like I strong feelings. I feel terrible when things can't be perfect. Uh, Right. Yes. And he said something to the effect of, I will have writer's block for the rest of my life. If I can't reach a point and say, this is the best I can do right now. And I heard that. And it's like this wave of affirmation just washed over me. And I literally did. I was just like, (laughs) like on on the cycle, I put my hood up so no one would see it. And I just pedaled through it. (laughs) But really like it was, that's awesome. It was so good to hear something like that because of Chuck Jones and how awesome he is with certain projects that I've been working on for work and in my personal life this week. I reached a point where I was like, you know, I might not be looking back on this in five years saying that was perfect. But given my resources, given my time, this is the best I can do right now. I feel like that deserves a fist bump. Can I just fist bumping? I'm just impressed that both our swagger scale and our crushing it this week (laughs) involved people crying. Yes, (laughs) I think that says something about like, is it awkward? Yes. Is it success? Also, yes. 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 Right. That's right. All right, so it's time for Would You Rather, our great value brand of role-playing games. And I have a little bit of a different uh, question for you guys this episode. In the past, we've done some pretty interesting questions. <laughs> things like fighting yes. cats versus fighting tigers. And you know. still have a few more of those in our back pocket that we'll get back to. <laughs> but because we're talking about entertainment this week, I thought it would be interesting to do maybe a slightly more serious question. And so my question for you today is, would you rather read a book or watch a movie? Now, to clarify, I'm not talking about specific series here, mm. like the Harry Potter series mm. or the Hunger Games or other recent examples where there is both a book and a movie. I think most people would probably say books that have been adapted into movies. Yes. The book tends to be the stronger sure. of the two mediums. So I'm not comparing directly one book to one movie. Yes. I'm just talking about as a format in general. Movies tend to kind of get a bad rap among most literary types that kind of say, sure. you know, like the old school <laughs> book is, so the, is the height of artistic. Yeah achievement mm. and and movies or TV shows, maybe because they're newer or, or for whatever reason, mm. they're kind of a lesser form yeah. of entertainment. Oh, so I'm wondering, do you ascribe to that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Would you rather sit down with a good book or would you rather go watch a, a good movie? Wow. And why? This one's hard. It is hard. This one's really hard. I really, really love both. Almost equally. <sighs> I really, really love books. This is going to be super hard to actually choose because, okay, I grew up reading a lot of books. And so I grew to love reading and kind of the places it can take you. Obviously, like you're just saying, if there's a series that's been adapted into a movie, I usually love the book as much or more usually Mm -hmm. because of all the detail you get that you can't get in a movie. Right. However... Movies, they can move me in ways that nothing else can. They can draw you into an experience that's absolutely incredible with the music and the visual and the they've just become more like a work of art. I don't always have time to sit down and read a whole book and experience the whole thing. I can fit in a movie and have that experience and go, wow, that was amazing. And so, man, just on an everyday basis, a lot of times I gravitate towards movies, even though I love reading and I want to do more of it. Sure. I kind of gravitate towards the movie. And I think that movies for me are a social thing. So movies are something Mm. that I 
do with friends. Like mm. I very rarely sit down by myself to just watch a movie. I can't oh. think I, I saw Black Panther with my family. So right. it's I'm not a film connoisseur. Like I don't pick the latest lineup and just watch mm-hmm. three movies on a Saturday. And I can kind of take books at my own pace. Mm. I also do this fun thing with books where if it's possible in my head canon of characters, I like cast my friends as the what? characters. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like there's this derpy character in a book I'm reading right now and it's my best friend in my head like being <laughs> This derpy character. So it's just funny to me. That's awesome. But with all of that said, gosh, I'm going to say books, if only yeah. because I haven't joined a book club yet. I don't even know what that would look like for me. But I think that if I can incorporate the social part mm. of the movies that I like with books reading, it's a good idea. I think that'd be cool. All right, guys, it's time to tackle a conversation that we've been wanting to have ever since we started the Real Talk podcast, and that is a deep dive into the Harry Potter series, which I know all of us, we'll just get this out of the way on the front end. We all love this series. Yes. All of us would highly recommend it. Yes. I'm sure anyone that's listening to this at this point, at the very least, you've seen all the movies. If you are like Isaac and you haven't read the books, please go do so. Yes. Yes. All right. The books are better than the movies. That is an objective fact. It is. And I'm not even going to listen to anybody no. that wants to argue yeah. that point. No. Get out. Okay, I, I will listen to you, but I will still tell you that you're wrong. It's true. And also there will be lots of spoilers. Yes, so. that's true. We are going to we are going to spoil pretty much everything. Spoiler at this point. Express coming up. Yeah. I feel like since these books have been out for more than a decade, it's probably it's okay. it's OK for us to spoil don't, them. Don't be a dumb dumb. Go read the books. But yes, we're, we're going to do lots of spoilers here yeah. about Harry Potter. All right. So let's start with where did you guys kind of get into Harry Potter? What was your experience? with getting into this series. <laughs> My experience involved Anson in a great, great degree. <laughs> I, true. I did not read them as a child growing up or watch the movies. And so literally, I think it was 2014. I like to yeah, remember the actual date. Just ago. a few years ago, we were talking about this and I was like, oh, I've, I don't know, I've never really read it. And Anson was like, what? <laughs> I do have to interject here and say, I was so excited. He was. That I found someone. I, yeah. That, <laughs> hadn't seen spoilers <laughs> that hadn't read the nothing. books that hadn't seen the movies I knew nothing I oh you like, like avoided everything I yeah know, not on purpose I just knew nothing she was a yeah. Harry Potter virgin I was I'm sorry for using that yeah, terminology totally. but that's what it was that's the best and, term for it and though. I was yeah. like yeah. I am going to get you to read these yeah. and I am going to live vicariously through <laughs> your experience when awesome. you do it yeah <laughs> So yeah, that's how I got started into them. And he did. And so I would read them and, and come in here and every day be like, what? Yeah. I mean, at first it was more like, oh yeah, this is, this is a good story. It's okay. Sure. Like the first book. Mm-hmm. And then like, I think by the third book I was like, oh right. wait, this is getting really good. And then like things started to turn the corner you know, we get into four or five and I'm like, what is happening right now? And I'm yeah. texting him things like, what just happened? <laughs> so I was, still remember the infamous Dumbledore text yes. that I got oh, from Kara when yes. that happened. Oh, was I was bad. just waiting for he it because I knew she was in no book idea six. No idea. Yeah. Oh no my idea. Gosh. I was like, this is not okay. What is happening right now? And he knew it was coming. He's like, tells his wife that night, Kara's finishing book six tonight. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like man. sitting in my living room, did not see this coming. And then I text him. I'm just like, what is happening? Yep. It was devastating. Wow. It was devastating, guys. I don't even know how see, to explain. I did it all in the reverse order. So I yeah. saw the movies in high school because see? that's... Again, movies are a social thing for me. All of my friends were watching them at their houses. We would go and watch them. And then I actually went to the Wizarding World before I finished the first book because we went to Orlando. 
we were there. We're like, hey, let's go. And That's it was cool. It was way cool. Yeah. I experienced everything in the exact order. I <laughs> wish that I didn't because now having read the books, I am like, yeah. oh, I want to go back to Wizarding World and I want right. to rewatch the yeah. movies. Experience and, it. But yeah, yeah, so I started the books in 2016. If you've been listening to this podcast, you'll know that I had them on audiobook. Yes. So a friendly English grandpa would read them to me. <laughs> And it was great. But yeah, great. yeah. So every day I would come home from my 45 minute commute and my wife would just ask me what happened. That would be our night's discussion. That was kind of our thing we yeah. had in common. Mm-hmm. So it's been a really cool way to share a fandom with my wife. I got her into Star Wars and she got mm. me into Harry Potter. There you go. It's only fair. So see, I had an even different experience from both of you where mm-hmm. I was reading the books as they came out. Oh, so man. I started reading the series after the second book came out and it was just kind of starting to gain popularity at that yes. time because the first book released and honestly, the world kept spinning and, and no one really paid a lot of attention to yeah, it yeah. until it started to finally gain a little bit of traction. The second book came out, started to gain a a little bit more popularity. And then kids at my school started reading it. I don't remember exactly how old I was when I started reading them, but I want to say maybe seventh, eighth grade, somewhere right Mm -hmm. in there. And so one of the really fascinating things for me was I grew up literally with Harry Potter and and his friends. Yeah. So I read the books starting with book one and two at a relatively young age, 12, 13 years old. And the books took a couple of years each usually to come out. Right. And so between each book, you know, I'm waiting a couple of years and, and literally getting older with Harry that's and his friends. So cool. That is such a cool experience. And that was a fascinating experience for me and one that I'll never forget because I'll never really be able to have that experience again mm-hmm. where I could relate so much to these characters Mm -hmm. every step of the way because I was essentially their age in every single book. Eventually I kind of passed them and and started to get ahead a little bit. But as the books mature themselves, I was maturing kind of at the, at the, at a similar rate. And so that was a a really fascinating experience to, to read the books that way. And then one thing that I was thinking about as you guys were talking was you mentioned Isaac, this idea with like movies being a real social thing and, and normally books being a little bit less social. It's something we tend to do on our own. And that's, what's so interesting to me though, is all three of us in different ways have had social experiences around around the Harry Potter books. Mm-hmm. For me, it looked like going to school, all of my friends were reading these. And especially once we got into high school, like between classes, our primary thing that we did was kick a <laughs> hacky sack around and discuss the Harry Potter series. I love it. It's so, so like, fun. you know, we finished book four. We have to wait two years for book five to come out. And we're just sitting there theorizing and discussing oh, what do you think is going to happen in book five? Coming up with all of our fan theories and all of this kind of stuff. And I spent years doing that. Sure. And I, I know that that social interaction for sure enhanced my experience of reading these books and and only made them that much more interesting to me. So cool. So what would you say your favorite book is? Oh, since you're, since you have like grown up with them. What I think is cool about this is that you grew up with them. If I started a series like that now, that's like comparable, it would be like, Chris learned about taxes at 27 <laughs> and then like, yes. like, Oh, I'm becoming Super. a 30 year old with my favorite character. Oh, like, man. There's something magical about getting those books as a kid. Yes. You know? Yeah, it was, it was magical. And I know a lot of people now as adults who read the books later say, well, you kind of have to get through books like one and two because sure. they're a little bit more childish and mm. to get to the meat of the series, you kind of got to get into it a little bit more, which I totally get and understand. I had the benefit though of starting those books as 
a kid and yeah. I could just enjoy them for what they were. Yeah. And, and I did. That was kind of fun for me. And I, I really have a lot of sentimental attachment to the early books in the series, despite mm-hmm. them being a little bit more kid friendly, I guess, yeah. and yeah. a little less yeah. mature in their themes and stuff. Well, there's a big tone shift. Right. Like, because yeah. that's where I was at that yeah. time. And, and I, I resonated with it. I got to say, though, favorite books. If I had to choose a favorite, it would probably be book number four. Book three would be close behind it because they both in my mind kind of signify the turning point of the series. Mm. It's where the series turns from a a child's series into kind of a young adult series and the tone shifts so dramatically. Those books were so fascinating to me because, again, I read them in this transitional phase of my own life. Yeah. And so I was experiencing this transition from childhood to adulthood right alongside the characters. Mm. Obviously I wasn't having friends die at the hands of a <laughs> all powerful wizard or something uh, quite like Harry Potter was so relatable. <laughs> But in some way, I did relate to this idea that I feel like the issues that I'm dealing with in my life are starting to get more serious Mm. and I'm a little bit scared of that and not quite sure what to do with that. Mm. And so those transitional books, I think, uh, will always be my favorite because of kind of what they represented in my own life. And that's why I liked book four in particular. I feel like book four is the first book where in the first half of the book, they're dealing with kind of childlike Mm -hmm, politics of being in junior high or high school and worrying about going to the dance with the right Right. girl (laughs) and all of this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, by the end of book four, somebody died. Stuff got real by the end of that book. All the little problems of who you're going to go to the school dance with or, you know, which class is your hardest. All of those things all of a sudden are are, are now in the background (laughs) and seem like so unimportant to the problems that they're going to face in the future. Uh And so that contrast between those two things, I really enjoyed that transition in book Mm. four. Right on. What about you guys? Favorite book? I was about to say, Kara. Okay, so I always have a hard time choosing favorites. I don't know if this is my favorite, but I have a deep appreciation for book five which surprises a lot of people. It's the Order of the Phoenix. Right. And it's kind of a similar thing with you, Anson, even though I wasn't age-wise where Harry was, I was going through something in life where that book felt super pivotal and important to my understanding of what I was dealing with because it's all about Harry feels kind of abandoned by Dumbledore. Mm. It seems like Mm. Dumbledore's totally ignoring him. Harry's just been through this super traumatic experience and is like, what's going on? Nobody's telling me anything. And I identified so much with this. I think there's so many times in life where you kind of are like, God, where'd you go? What's going on? Are you here? I don't hear you. I don't see you. It feels like you're invisible. What's happening? And Harry lives this through the entire book and has to deal with it. He deals with a lot of anger and a lot of these Mm -hmm. like other emotions that come from that. And then you see how that resolves and how their relationship changes like in a good way ultimately, but they like have to work through this and seeing that from above, like from a perspective of like, I'm reading this in a character's life, but looking at my own life at the same time going, Oh, okay, this is really profound. Hmm. And actually I felt that way about the whole series the overarching storyline, how it all plays out. Cause that's sure. a big deal. Like the whole way through with Dumbledore, you just don't know. Yeah, what's it, he up to? What like, are you doing? It's hard to understand his motives. And it his, really, yeah, right. it really is. And Harry asks the question at the very end at book seven that says like, why did you have to make it so hard? And I was like, Oh, is there anything that feels more like the Christian life sometimes than that question? And yet through these books, I see this beautiful overarching story and how it all comes together. And it's so dramatic and I'm getting way off topic of my favorite book, but five is one of those like transitional books for me where Harry seems to transition from like the, he grapples with the trauma Mm. and the abandonment or whatever he's feeling and moves into, okay, 
I'm ready to deal with this now by the end of book five. I think mine is a tie between book six and book seven. So if you're listening and you don't know titles, that is Half-Blood and Deathly Hollows. I really like Half-Blood Prince because it has the seriousness of that tone shift that you mentioned, Anson, Mm -hmm. but it also kind of has the like little playful elements. They're still kind of in wizarding high school. (laughs) They're figuring out who the Half-Blood Prince is. Ron is super mad that Harry has this cool spell book. Oh yeah, that's right. Hermione is just behaving like Hermione does the entire time. She's (laughs) furious that Harry's cheating. I mean, (laughs) there's like a comedic relief to it around all of the serious. Right. Mm. I really appreciate that about book six. Yeah. Book seven. I love all of the character development that we see. Everyone is sort of peak who they are in that book. Like you have some clear people who were just kind of like minor kind of cast off characters in the first couple of books that really show up Mm -hmm. in book seven. And I'm all about that. I'm all about these like background characters coming up and like, I'm a person too. (laughs) I have these awesome qualities that you're going to see. And oh, like Neville has made me just have a moment. Gosh, he is a really interesting character in the series and his arc is so awesome. Oh my gosh. So complete by the end of book seven. Out of left field. (laughs) And and you think like Mm -hmm. you get these little sort of updates about Mm -hmm. how Neville's doing. And Mm -hmm. then at the end you're like who's this man (laughs) the funny thing about that too is that everyone always jokes about the actor that portrayed him in the movies as well because the actor essentially did the same thing just with his like physical appearance Uh like in the first movie he looks like a total goob and then by the end he's like this strong strapping man and everyone's like what happened Neville's hot now what do we do who this man yeah Well, that's so interesting that that we have such a a variance in like the favorite books. And and I don't know that I really necessarily had connected it before now to kind of the personal experience part of it and how we relate to those books. Because Mm -hmm. the funny thing is, I think we were talking just a little bit before we started recording (laughs) about how we don't necessarily like each other's favorite books. Because like book five was actually my least favorite in the series, (laughs) which I know would probably just, you know, anger Kara to no end. That's okay. She's shaking right now. (laughs) I, I didn't like book five because I felt like Harry was just being a kind of a whiny sassy <laughs> pants the whole entire time. Yeah, no. And I was like, come on, Harry, just get with the program. Like everyone else is trying to do this whole order of the Phoenix thing. <laughs> he's, and you're he's over kicking here rocks. Just, yeah. Like grow up, Harry. But I just wasn't in that place with him at that time. And yeah. so it made it yeah. harder for it me to sense. relate to his character at that moment. But sense. hearing it from your perspective, yeah. I think totally gives me kind of a, a lot more insight into yeah. what that means and, and what that could mean to somebody else who, who relates to that. Yeah. I mean, the guy was traumatized. He was trying to work through his trauma and his mentor was like MIA. Oh, hey, how you doing? Sorry. (laughs) I keep getting Dumbledore's voicemail. (laughs) It it might almost be kind of an interesting insight into those of us maybe who aren't in a traumatic place, but are dealing with someone in trauma, how oftentimes we don't understand really how to relate to someone Mm, who's who's feeling trauma. Because I think sometimes we have that response where someone kind of finds themselves going through a traumatic experience and if we're not there with them. And if we're not careful, sometimes we could take that attitude of, could you just figure it out already (laughs) and get yourself out of there? Right. Which is a totally unfair thing to ask of someone who's going through that. But when we don't understand it, Mm. we could kind of be in danger of taking that kind of Mm. attitude Mm -hmm. towards it. And Harry also, I want to remind you in that book, did some pretty important stuff. He developed Dumbledore's army. Isn't that what it's called? Oh, the DA. (laughs) He taught all of his friends like these defensive skills and said, we need to learn this stuff. We need to protect ourselves. Even 
in as he was like having a personal crisis. His friends kind of had to talk him into it. True. But once he was there, like he was there. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do this. I think part of it for me with both book five and actually book seven, specifically the first half of book seven, mm-hmm. is that I'm a peacemaker kind mm-hmm. of person. Mm-hmm. I like bringing people together. And, and in my family or in my friend groups, I've always played the role of like when a divide starts to open up between a couple of people, mm-hmm. I'm usually the person who kind of helps piece it back together sure. and says, yeah. hey, let's talk. Let's understand like where each person is coming from. Right. And I get really frustrated when characters both in real life or in <laughs> fiction miss each other. Yeah. Because my whole thing with my like personality type and stuff is I understand where that person's coming from. Yeah. And I understand where this person's right. coming from. And I understand you're not coming from the same place. But if we just talk it out <laughs> and try to sure. put each other in each other's shoes, we can see where both people are coming from and we can we can mm. get back together on this. Oh, and there's and so I much got of that. so frustrated yeah. in those books with characters missing each other and not understanding each other. Yeah. And I just wanted to be like, could y'all just sit down in a room for a second, <laughs> just talk, about talk it. this out and figure it out <laughs> so that we can all start moving towards the that's, same goal again instead true. of having all this infighting. And, yeah. and uh, I think that that really frustrated me. The thing is, it's real life. This happens, is. right? We miss each other sometimes. Yeah. We don't understand and we have infighting. And, you know, I'm not criticizing the books for having those no. segments in them, but personally, as a reader, it was frustrating it to was, me because I was yeah. going like, come on, like Ron and Hermione, like get it together. Yeah. Like you guys both love each other. Yeah. Figure Snap it out, out already. It. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, and even Ron and Harry had those moments where yes. oh, yeah. Ron is just fuming about Harry doing something good. Like it happens yeah. over and over again. Harry does something moderately impressive and yeah. Ron is like, well, I could be a wizard too. <laughs> You're like, dude, you are. Like you, you are a magical being. Stop oh being God. petty. But at the same time, it's hard to blame the poor guy, right? Yeah. I mean, his best friend is the Harry most Potter. famous uh, person in the entire universe. That's true. Dude, let your boy shine. Like, like he's be- <laughs> Be He's your friend's have friend. Some self-confidence issues, right? Self-esteem yeah. problems. I think that's fair. Ron yeah. frustrated me a lot. Yeah. It's really yeah. funny. I think I can understand this because Isaac is a helper. Isaac is the one who's like his personality is like let's let let them shine. Let's go. I'm here <laughs> yeah, for you. Right. And Anson is maybe more like the Harry Potter role. Like I'm going to take the leadership. Let's do this. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't ask for this mantle. I'm just going to do it. And yeah. so you guys would have made you know good buddies, mm-hmm. but like you're each frustrated maybe by this. So frustrated by Ron. <laughs> um, now I'm starting to wonder if we have like some sort of weird Harry oh my like, gosh. Ron Hermione thing going oh on here. Oh my gosh, mind blown. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. What? <laughs> okay, so we're kind of getting into characters here. Yes. And we could talk probably all day about various characters. Oh, we could. Specifically Harry and Hermione and sure. Ron. But if you've read the series, you know a lot about those three characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's set those three aside mm-hmm. for just a moment and say those three aside favorite character in the series oh which I know is going to be a hard thing and if you're someone like Kara and you yeah. have a hard time making decisions <laughs> you're going to be paralyzed forever or a hard time choosing you, between you, okay, people you don't have to like commit to this for all time okay, okay this is my favorite character forever all right. but just off the top of your head if you had to pick a character that you just you really love oh, and connect to in kind of a, a more special way sure What's one of your favorite characters in the series that's not one of the main three? Oh, man. So I'm going to go first because Kara is... Yeah, I'm having a crisis over here. You're figuring out who who this needs to be. (laughs) I have a favorite and then I have like a favorite point B. Like I have like... I have have my main... next favorite. And then my indexed favorite. All right. So my main favorite... Is Professor McGonagall? Oh, Ooh, good such a good choice. I really mentioned how I like the background characters coming up to shine in yes. certain moments, and I have a special like personal connection with McGonagall. I mm. come from a 
long line of educators and mm. very strong female figures in my life. Mm-hmm. And McGonagall is just instant. My grandma on my dad's side Aww. teacher, super helpful, but doesn't have time for anyone's business. Right. If they, if they get sassy, <laughs> like uh-huh. McGonagall has no time uh-huh. for it. <laughs> and one of my favorite moments of McGonagall, I wrote this down in um, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. She is encouraging Neville. Neville's grandma is a terrible person to him, like oh, through yeah. most of the books. Mm-hmm. And she says, it's high time your grandmother learned to be proud of the grandson she got rather than the one she thinks she ought to have, particularly after what happened at the ministry. Neville did something very heroic, by the Aww. way. And I just like read that and I was like, my God, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part. And it was just so great. And she has so, so many awesome. awesome moments in the books where there's these really powerful people that she just claps back at. Like yeah. she, like, she ah. turns around and she's like, excuse me, person <laughs> who could imprison me for life. <laughs> You're talking over me. Stop. And I literally reached a point where I paused my audio book and I just go, my God, I go. <laughs> Top of my lungs. She is pretty awesome. Terrific choice. Yes. Is, I totally endorse that decision. I'm going to second guess my choice all day <laughs> no. long now because that's hard to beat. Okay. I'm sorry. You chose her so I don't have to because she got represented well. So I think I'm going to choose Lupin, Professor Lupin, ah. who was a big deal in book three, right? And then mm-hmm. not as much. Oh, well, he was there all the way through yeah. the series, but not like super heavy. But in book three, guys, this again goes back to some like Harry was dealing with some different kind of trauma. He hadn't experienced like the death yet, but he had experienced like his initial trauma that turned him into Harry Potter, you know, with Voldemort and the Dementors show up and Lupin is around when this happens. And Harry just basically starts having these, it's like the Harry Potter world equivalent of a panic attack only like way Mm -hmm. worse. Like the Dementors show up and he just like falls to the ground and passes out. And everyone's like, what is happening? Is Harry okay? And no, he's not okay. We've all been there. But Lupin shows up and and Harry's like going, what's going on? Why do they affect me like this? And Professor Lupin jumps in and says, it has nothing to do with weakness, he says Mm. sharply. And and he says, the Dementors affect you worse than the others because there are horrors in your past that others don't have. And then he goes on to train Harry in how to fight back against these things. So he teaches him to do the Patronus which is what protects him from the Dementors. And that ends up being a big deal several different mm-hmm. times during the book. And so I'm like, this is important stuff. Like this <laughs> teacher, he came in and gave him compassion when he needed it, but also like taught him the skills he needed and just felt like this very important mentor, soft presence yeah. at a really important time in his life. And Harry didn't really have that many characters throughout the entire series that filled that role for him. Yeah, that's Even true. Kind of the, the mentors that were there from time to time, like Dumbledore, yes. obviously Dumbledore did what he did for a reason, but at times he felt very distant right. or, or far away or even other professors like uh, Moody or different characters yeah, that were, were helpful to him. They, they were kind of rough around the edges sure. and, and yeah. Lupin definitely seemed to have this like relational, yes. like empathetic quality to him oh, that yeah. most other mentors in Harry's life didn't have. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that because he had like Sirius was his godfather. godfather. He was very much wrapped up in trying to be yes. a father figure to Harry though. Yes. Right. And he had his own problems he needed yeah. to deal with. So like Lupin was like more stable, even though he sure. also had problems, but he was a much more stable. Let me help you through mm-hmm. this. Let me teach you. I really like the guy. That's a good choice too. There are so many characters I could go with, but I'm going to go with Molly Weasley. Yeah. Uh, oh, really, really terrific one. character. I was thinking about this as you were talking about McGonagall as well. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of really good, strong female characters there in the Harry really Potter series, are. which is yeah. great. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And Molly Weasley's another one. Uh, it just makes me think about my mom. 
and yes. just moms, right? Yeah. I mean, Aww. moms are awesome. And Molly Weasley's awesome because she's basically the mother that Harry never had yes. with Lily passing away, you know, when Harry's a baby. Molly starts sending Harry Christmas presents before she even really knows him. Early in the series, everybody is just constantly impressed by the fact that Harry Potter is Harry Potter, right? Yeah. And, and he's a celebrity and everyone's kind of looking at him weird everywhere yeah. he goes. And Molly, whether she feels that or not, doesn't really let that play into her relationship with no, Harry. Yeah. She just acts like a mom. And when he shows up at their house, she just kicks into mom mode and <laughs> treats him kind of just like the rest of the brood. Like here, right? eat some food. She just, exactly. Like <laughs> brings him in and says, here, eat this food. You're part of the family now. I'm, I'm mm. taking you in. and I'm going to be a mom to you. Sure. Not so because great. he's Harry Potter and she wants to, you know, mm. treat him well, but because she's a mom and her mom instincts kick in and Harry's a kid without a mom. Mm. And so she just instinctively, I think, like takes over that role for him. That's really a cool thing, I think, in the books to see. And then, of course, I couldn't talk about Molly Weasley without mentioning the penultimate scene with her where <gasps> all of a sudden she becomes oh like, my gosh, totally hardcore at the end of the book and has her like moment to shine uh, which I can't even repeat like the infamous line that she says here on the podcast but it's but but it's still awesome (laughs) yeah and so she says that at the end of the book and and totally just becomes like the mama bear at the end of the book like so many people listening to this are like nodding along furiously yeah Yeah. she straight up smokes that person potentially one of the single best lines and moments in the entire series it's so glorious is a mom just being a mom yeah right if anyone else had delivered it, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Oh, like, no. It had to yeah. have been Molly, Molly Weasley, Molly Weasley sending yeah. that out. Oh, yeah. It was the best. Well, out of all of the stuff that we've been talking about, I feel like one of the, the most interesting things about the Harry Potter series to me is some of the deeper level stuff that mm. we've kind of hinted at in the mm. rest of our conversation. Some of the analogies that exist, even on a spiritual level throughout the series about Harry's own journey, Harry's relationship to Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of metaphors in there about our relationship with God and our relationship to the concept of love and and Mm. sacrificial love in particular. Harry's parents and what they did for him and Mm. making the ultimate sacrifice for their son and giving Harry the opportunity to do that again. I mean, there's so many things we could talk Mm. about uh, in the series. We could probably go on for another half hour about (laughs) all of those. But what stands out to you guys in terms of kind of the the deeper significance that you derive from the series and maybe explain like why it means as much as it does to you. For me, I mentioned earlier, this series came into my life at a time where I was doing a lot of my own internal work around some issues and some issues spiritually and just some trauma with a small T, not anything like, you know, Harry went through, but (laughs) (laughs) a couple of things that really just blew me away when I got to the end were, like you mentioned, this theme of the power of love. And I, I remember Anson, when I started, you told me that you and Dre had been discussing this and you said, if you could sum up the series in one phrase, it would be love conquers all. Mm-hmm. And I think I agree with that over and over and over again. When Dumbledore is training Harry, he tries to impress on him the importance of this, right. how this is what protects him. Everyone's like, oh, you're this like super wizard. What's the right. deal? And yeah. it's all because of this sacrifice that his mother made it's more powerful than anything than Mm, any other magic that this big bad dude can bring against him who's a really scary guy right and yet harry is the only one that lived through he's been literally marked with love marked literally and dumbledore says that he says your mother died to save you if there's one thing voldemort cannot understand it is love he didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark to have been loved so deeply 
will give us some protection forever. Mm. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I can just put chapter and verse to this. If you want me to go there, like, you know, (laughs) Romans eight, we were marked by that kind of love. I just can't get over that. And all the way through, you see that in Harry's life and you see it all the way to the very end. Like you mentioned with Mm -hmm. the sacrificial death and you're like, wait, what, what's about to happen here? That love still conquers all. It's such a powerful thing. So there's that huge metaphor. And even if we want to go into like Snape and his you know, oh, yeah. theme of love in yeah. his life and how powerful how it was. How that played out for him. Yeah. Seriously. And for Harry. Like that's the reason he did everything he did. And it's so powerful. And I may or may not have a tattoo on my wrist that says always because of this <laughs> yeah. theme of like the, the <laughs> yeah. love conquering all. And uh, I know Anson's very proud of that because he got me started. <laughs> yes. I got Kara into Harry Potter yeah. and got her a Harry Potter <laughs> tattoo. Harry Potter my tattoo. life is complete. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so there's that huge theme for me. And then I think the other thing that stands out to me, because this is a long form story, it unfolds over seven books. You walk through Harry every step of the way and see the story unfold. And there's yeah. things that happen in the middle and at the beginning that you're like, ah, that is crap. What is going on? I do not <laughs> understand this. And Dumbledore, what are you doing? And what's going on? And then you get to the end and you see how it's all perfectly wrapped up and planned. And there's a lot about trust in this book that Harry even talks about. You know, there's a time where Dumbledore's brother is kind of attacking Harry, saying, like, why would you trust this guy? Like, he's only interested in his own agenda. Why would you, like, go along with this? And Harry said, he had made the choice, decided to continue along the winding, dangerous path indicated for him by Albus Dumbledore to accept that he had not been told everything he wanted to know, but simply to trust. And I'm like, well, OK, <laughs> that doesn't sound like life. And exactly what I was struggling with. There's so many things that happen in our lives that we're like, why? This makes no sense. This is yeah, stupid. Right. This is pointless. Why would you let this happen, God? And reading this big epic story just felt like such a, oh, I really have no idea. I really have no way of seeing this, but seeing it on a small scale in Harry Potter's life gave me so much hope that there really is a bigger story being written here. I really can trust the story and more than that, the storyteller. So it's time for On Repeat, and my On Repeat this week is Safe by Graceful Closure. This song came out, or we started playing it a, a few weeks ago, actually, and I remember the first time Anson played it for me. We hadn't even made it through the whole song, and I was like, yes, this song, I like it. And he was like, yeah, I, I thought you would, because this is apparently a theme in my life. <laughs> so it goes along the lines of just, does it does it stop? All this pressure, all this panic stops. Stuck inside these feelings that are haunting me, I wish I could find a drop of peace. Like, who hasn't felt like that? Am I right? Just mm-hmm. life feels like so much pressure and panic sometimes. Like, you're just stuck in the feelings. And it, both musically and lyrically, this song feels like kind of a deep breath. Like, okay, all right. Mm. And it says, you are safe tonight. I won't let it pull you under. Safe tonight, even though you feel the thunder. I got you. I'm with you. Keep on holding on to me. You're safe tonight. I need these practical songs that allow me to literally take a deep breath, both musically and lyrically and go, it's, it's going to be okay. Keep breathing. You're safe. God's got you. My on repeat this week is Walker Hayes. Craig. Now he can't walk on water, or turn a nap of valley red, but he just might be tight with a man that did. You've probably listened to the podcast before, and if you've listened to me talk for more than two minutes, you'll know that I overcomplicate things frequently. <laughs> 
Um, one of the things that I overcomplicate in my life is the whole premise of going to church, being a member of church. The whole thing about church is complicated for me. This song is kind of simplifying the gospel through this one person, Craig, and it really sums up the vibe of the song in this first couple of lines. I met Craig at a church called Redeeming Grace. It's like he understood my I don't want to be here face, but he shook my hand and said, I'm glad you're here. He says, well, I'll be judged, but he was never judgmental. And to me, that just embodies Mm. the love of Christ that's offered to us. Mm. And it's not overcomplicating things with denomination or where you're at with your walk. It's just a guy being nice to someone who feels uncomfortable. And I'm Mm. all about that. That's that's way cool. Mm. It's such an interesting song. It's very different. It's kind of got a Macklemore vibe to it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then it's it's very much like just a story song. And and most songs are stories to some extent, but not quite as literally, I guess. The name of the song is The Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who, by the way, I'm pretty sure I was reading an article with Walker Hayes about this. He said, Craig is a real person. That's awesome. Like this isn't just a made up Mm. story. This is someone that actually exists in his life. Sure. That's cool. And it's someone just reaching out and showing love to someone. That's way cool. My on repeat this week is Stronger by Roy Tosh and V Rose. Gotta go a little stronger and never give in because when you're falling down, he'll help you get up again. We've got to hold on. Hold on. This is a new single from Roy Tosh and V Rose sings the hook and I love this song. I think the hook is super catchy. First of all, it's one of those hooks that like the moment I heard it, it was stuck in my head and I couldn't really escape it. (laughs) And uh, those songs always catch my attention when I hear a a hook like that. Um, But even more importantly than that, I love the content of the hook as well. Uh, It's it's one of those things where when I catch myself singing it to myself, I'm like, this is probably a good thing. This is something I need to be singing to myself, Mm -hmm. right? Hold on a little longer. It's going to be all right. You're going to make it to the end. Those words of encouragement when you're going through a difficult time Mm -hmm. are are one of those things where I'm happy to catch myself repeating these words to myself. And I think that's the power of song, right? Is when you can take those words of encouragement and then you can pair them with something that can't escape your mind. Like that's exactly where music can be at its most powerful when there's these words that you need to be telling yourself that are just ringing around in your head and you can't get rid of them. All right. Well, that just about wraps up episode four of Real Talk for this season. Guys, any closing thoughts on Harry Potter? Is there anything that you wish we had said that you didn't say? Can I can I do a Dumbledore quote? Oh, okay. So we're switching it up this week. We're going yeah. from, man, from I don't, 30 rocks to Dumbledore. I don't feel that's like a little that's, bit of a switch, but that's okay. I don't feel like okay. that's appropriate to like mix the two because <laughs> it's just too good. Like you can't pollute the Harry Potter podcast with 30 rock. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just imagining Tracy Jordan as say. like a character no, in no, Harry no. Potter. Potter universe. You're now. a wizard, Harry. <laughs> Boy, you got it. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Can we replace Hagrid That's with Tracy Jordan? Feels pretty accurate. Accio chicken tenders. <laughs> <laughs> all right, never mind. Forget the no, no, Come on, we no, need no, the Dumbledore please, quote. Please, we got to end on the Dumbledore right, quote. Right, we can't right. end on Axio chicken tenders. <laughs> That's not, no. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Here we go. Dumbledore. It does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that. Thanks 
for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Wake up with Isaac from 7 to 10 a.m. and catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. Live every weekday on Real FM radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.